Welcome to the Vorthos Podcast with your host, Matt W. Ruff. Thank you, Bob. So this chapter, which is chapter 12, I believe, I'm not sure it'll make it in the, if, if it ever, it's probably not going to become a book, but if it did, I'm not sure it'll make it. Um, it's titled Violence. Um, from my observation, violence is not something anybody with Christian values looks forward to. Okay. We've always lived in a violent world. I mean, you go back to Roman times, you know, the gladiators, you go back to the founding of America and the wild, wild west, you know, barroom fights, gunfights, world wars. The violence is never, never not called for. I mean, the Old Testament is clearly teaches and in history, it just demonstrates in history that, you know, the Israeli people were going to take the promised land by force. Okay? So you, you can't say that there isn't violence required sometimes. But I don't think it's a core Christian belief that it's great to have violence. And what I mean by that is People aren't going to, people don't generally respond particularly well to violence. I mean, I don't. Um, you don't make your point by punching somebody in the face. Now, there are times, I mean, if you go to Augustine and you read things of a serious nature like that, you'll understand, you know, that there was the thing called the just war. And there's a rumor that, you know, during the prequel up to major wars, you know, serious people would, would, would study the issue and see if it was a just war. Um, and it's a complicated issue. It's not something a lot of people have experience with right now. I mean, as I'm giving this talk, Ukraine is on the verge of being invaded by the old, you know, by Russia. And, you know, that's going to be a violent confrontation, as you would expect. Um, you know, it's really funny. Uh, the Indian Prime Minister Gandhi told Winston Churchill, oh, don't fight, just give up that little island of yours. He was so against violence. No, just give up England, no biggie, let the Germans have it. So I, I, if somebody was to invade America... By force, I would gladly take up arms and try to repel them. 
probably die in the process, but that's just kind of the nature of the, of the beast. Um, one of the reasons that's highly unlikely is just the amount of guns we have. Um, and if you ever see a politician going after the guns, that always leads to, that protects the guns. A person, a legally, a normal citizen who has a gun is of no threat to anybody besides bad people. And that's just the way it is. Everybody I know has guns. Most of them have been trained in them. And they're not going to be used against anybody except somebody coming on your property illegally or somebody, you know, in a much bigger situation. So the idea that guns are evil is a political leftist view that's wrong. And given any, any situation easily debated. I don't even have to prepare for that debate. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that sometimes violence can't, isn't required because clearly in scripture it was. I'm just saying in our side, it's, I'm not saying we're becoming more violent. I just don't like the fact that we're somewhat promoting violence. Now, growing up, when I was a kid, you know, you had the Lone Ranger and Batman and Bond, James Bond, and John Wayne. You had, and the good guys always won. You know, it was. You remember those corny Batman scenes where they, you know, have the cartoonish, you know, blam, you know, pow, and that kind of stuff. Um, well, it's still true today with the Marvel Universe stuff and everything. It's um. Is a violence. I think kids are being exposed to way too much violence. Um, there are certain activities that I've never liked because of the violence. The first one being boxing. Now, I've never went to a boxing match in person. I wouldn't go. I've, I've have been invited, just wouldn't go. Uh, I don't need to see it. I've seen it on TV. I mean, um, in his prime, before he started fading, Mike Tyson, I mean, he was a unbelievable beast of a man. I mean, bam, bam, you know, I forgot who he knocked out in like, it was like nine seconds, and for those nine seconds, he averaged what well, was... Two million dollars a second, something that was ridiculous. So you have the professional sport of boxing. You have the professional sport of wrestling, which is theater. Okay, nobody can survive the real hits that you see like that. It's it's controlled best they can. I'm not saying they're not real athletes. I think met a whole, the whole world wrestling federation crew. They stayed at our hotel once in Chicago. I was years ago. I was in, at a comp. I mean, I was training for a piece of equipment. It was a one month conference. 
and our company was too cheap to fly us back on the weekend, so we stayed for the entire month. And lo and behold, it was it was what it, it was. This hotel was in a business park, and the only people staying at this hotel were businessmen for the most part. So on the weekend, I mean, we had the run of the place. Um. But then one weekend this bus shows up and there's Hulk Hogan and there's all the all the crowd. And before their performance and we were invited, my my room the, the guy I was with went, but I didn't go. Um but and it was probably a great experience. I probably should have gone on that one. But um you know, these guys were massive. Okay, and and there was a small kid growing up. I'm I'm fairly large now. I'm not. I mean, I'm overweight, but I'm not what I call obese. But I'm six foot three, and I'm two hundred and thirty pounds. So, and these guys made me look small and definitely weak. I mean, these guys had muscles on top of muscles. They were just huge. Um, but that's not the worst of it. You have the UAF, UFC and mixed martial arts that's really violent. And, you know, when I see all this stuff, it reminds me of the Russell Crowe movie, Gladiator, when after he'd sort of become, you know, legendary, walks out by himself and takes on the whole group by himself and then screams up at the, at the fans, aren't, aren't you not entertained? You know, because that's what it was. So, you know, as a native-born Texan, um, which, you know, jokingly we used to say have a church on every corner, but it's not the number one religion. Christianity is not the one re- number one religion in Texas, regardless of what people say. The number one religion in Texas was football. Um, and no less than the biggest Baptist church at the time, which was Second Baptist Houston, proved that point when they gave up on trying to have a an evening service on Super Bowl Sunday. So they have a party and broadcast the Super Bowl and then cut off the halftime nonsense and and have a little thing there and that's how they do it. So um you know my issue with football is very recent. Um, so, and I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't anti-football in any way, shape, or form. I was always too small to be a football player because I was born literally the last day before the the um, the cutoff date for education. I was always the next to youngest kid in the class because a girl who I'm still friends with on Facebook at least, um, who came in, transferred in, was actually born in September, but I was I was born in August, and I was always the youngest kid in the class. And that year makes it, you know, if one day, you know, two or three more days, and I'd been held back another year, and, you know, I'd gotten some more height, more, you know. Uh, so, I mean, literally, I was always the smallest kid in my class. So, 
you know. And I was the smallest kid in my family. I was the youngest of nine grandkids. And though we never saw the, the older three very much, the my aunt and my dad got together, you know, a few times and they're all huge. I mean, my dad's five, my dad was, he's passed away. My dad was like five foot, I think 10, maybe 11. So he wasn't small, but he wasn't, you know, really, really tall. Um, but my, my two cousins are, are full head above my dad. Okay. Um, they're six, seven or six, eight, something like that. You know, size 14, 15 shoes. I mean, just massive people. And though I'm taller than one of my brothers now, I'm pretty much, I'm actually the tallest of the three, though me and my one brother is, are basically the same height. He's like a half inch or quarter inch shorter than me. Um, back, of course, they're six years older, so they were always much taller than me. And so, you know, we go play basketball. Well, the two... I would just sit on the sidelines because it made it even. There were two of them and my two brothers playing basketball, and I was just too small to even compete. I mean, it's literally like, you know, putting a, a high school kid in, into a junior high group. It's, it's He's got such an advantage in height. It's not even funny. Um, but so I'm not – I wasn't grown up and I football watched plenty of football was a football manager all the way into college. Um, was actually pursued from junior high to high school and the coach junior varsity coach came and asked me to be a football manager because I was again. So, you know, the, the junior high coach, called the junior varsity coach at the high school and said, and normally we talk about football players, but I got this kid who's just the best manager I've ever had. And next thing I know, I'm the junior varsity manager. And then they fired all the high school, all the varsity managers like the next to last game. And so I was head football manager for three years, my sophomore, junior and senior year. I was head football manager. And I was so good that the same thing happened. My several of the coaches sent letter when the recruiters would come to time. He goes, "Who's in charge of your managers?" But we've got a kid who's the best manager we've ever had. And so, lo and go, I had offers to go be a football manager at about every major school in Texas. Um, when I was visiting Texas Tech with my mom, I was shocked, literally. We were sitting there waiting because we got there just at the end of the lunch hour, and nobody was you know, sort of there besides the receptionist, and so we were kind of waiting in the lobby, and this distinguished man walked in, saw us there, and walked over and asked if he could help, and I told him what I was there for and gave him the letter, and he says, well, come with me, and he took me downstairs. That was... And the guy was Steve Sloan, the head football coach for Texas Tech. I mean, and my mother was so impressed by him. And Steve Sloan was an excellent, just just that kind of guy. And so that's where I ended up. But anyway, I digress. I bring all this up to say I'm not anti-football. That was until 
this guy by the name of Colin Kaepernick, which a lot of you have heard about, started pulling these stunts. Now, Kaepernick had a brief moment of quarterbacking in the NFL, as you well know, and it was brief. He he rose to fame pretty quickly, and he fell pretty quickly as well. Um, I'm not an expert in football. I'm not into all the X's and O's, the saying goes. I would have chosen Tim Tebow over him any day, but, you know, that's just me. Um, but needless to say, when he couldn't no longer make it, he started becoming, because he was dating this really radical woman, and, and he started becoming this radical, you know, kill, you know, kill the cops, you know, all this racist stuff. And that's what he's known for. And his jersey still sells a ton of it because he's a hero to all these people. My problem is not with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, evil people will be will do evil things. That's just the way it is. My problem is with the people in charge. There is a rule in the NFL. Uh, it's probably been removed, but at the time there's a rule in the NFL, you will stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. You will stand for the singing of the National Anthem. It was a rule. And they just ignored it. And instead of doing something, then you had this, you know, the whole team doing this, this whole deal. And they took a hit, but they figured, like most things, people have a short memory and they'll go back. And most of my friends have, but a good hunk haven't. Okay, I have friends that gave up football then and haven't looked back. So... But that's not what I want to really be talking about either. We're talking about violence. And that's when, on a rare occasion, I watched the movie Concussion with Will Smith. And it's based on a true story. And that's one of the, I, I mean, I've done this a few times. After I've watched the movie, I bought the book. Now, Dr. Amalo, Bennett Amalo, is from Nigeria. And in the movie, there's a little bit of the history, but in the book, there's a whole bigger history of you know, how he got from Nigeria to America. He is a coroner, okay? He's the guy that examines dead bodies and examines them and dissects them for autopsies, okay? He discovered this brain disease in people that played way too much football, okay, pros. Especially pros that played for many years at the really violent positions of, you know, in this case, center and, and the such. And I'm just going to read an excerpt from the book because I can't state it any better than he does. He says, wherever I go, people ask me one question more than any other. Dr. Malo, is it safe for my child to play football? The answer is simply no, it's not. I believe God did not make humans to play football, and especially children. And it's not just football, it's any full contact where there's, you know, repeated hittings to the head. Nor do I believe football can be safe for adults. Of course, adults can weigh the risk and rewards of playing and make decisions for themselves. It, we have a long history in the West and in 
pretty much the world. We have this even in Nigeria. The children can't make certain decisions on their own. Today we have laws against you know children buying guns, drinking alcohol, and various things to protect them until they're old enough to make those decisions on their own. Children cannot make those decisions. They do not have the brain, mind, intellect, intuition, and understanding fully developed. Now, this is not in the book. This is as a side note. That's why I'm against, you know, 18-year-olds voting. Their mind isn't fully developed yet. I would prefer 21 or 25, um, but that's another story. But it's fact. We we basically know the mind isn't fully developed in males until 25. It's a little bit younger for women. And this is a general case. Not everybody. I mean, it's like when do people, kids get their growth spurts? You know, it's normally 13. Some people, in my case, I didn't get my growth spurt until my freshman year in college. Now, that again, if I was born one day, Later, it would have been my senior year in high school I'd had, had this huge growth spurt. But I went from a kid that was on the front row in a graduation class picture and looks like he's from the junior high, seriously, it's, it's embarrassing, to the guy on the back row. I was five foot seven, which I'd gotten some height in my senior year. I was five foot seven. I was five foot four. I think I was five foot four on my first driver's license. I got pulled over. I got pulled over four times, but only three times counted. Uh, never got a ticket. It was, are you old enough to drive, basically, because I was driving this massive Galaxy 500 and this little kid in there. And, and the fourth time I got pulled over was by, this, by a guy that had heard the report. This cop had said, listen, there's this guy, this kid who's, who's just small, who's got a valid driver's license, drives a Galaxy 500, and this guy pulled me over, and then Rook and I said, oh, that's the kid, and, and he turned off his lights and pulled up beside me and said, never mind, I, I heard the report about you, and I just kind of laughed and went on about my business. But now, as I said, I'm six foot three, so I got my height. So back to the quote by Dr. Amalo. Children... In our site, in, in sect, yeah. children in our society, we recognize this fact and do not allow children to smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, engage in other high-risk activity. We do this to protect children from themselves until they have the maturity to weigh the risk and rewards and make the informed decisions themselves. That is why I believe no one under the age of 18 should be allowed to play football, period. End of story. Now, I don't think adults should play either, but I I don't think that's something that we should tell them. They're now old enough to make that decision on their own. However, before any adult steps on the football field, they need to understand that nothing protects the human brain from the force of impact experiences in full contact sports. God did not design us for such impact. He did design other animals for such impact. Okay, It's like my discussion on on um, the so-called transgender stuff. There is no such thing as transgender in humanism. You can't get there naturally. Certain animals can. Okay. A woodpecker is totally designed to have his head 
receive all those impact. It's basically got a shock absorber all the way around its head. So is the ram lion, uh, ram goat, the ones that run at each other and hit each other square on the head. They they have like a bubble, like a you know that the, the plastic bubble wrap around their. It's built into their skull that, that actually protects their mind from these huge hits. Okay, God did not design us for such impact. He, humans cannot, nor will they ever be able to, because of equipment, be able to to protect their brain. We have helmets to protect the skin and the skull from being fractured. But the brain floats in a fluid that gets sloshed around, and no helmet can protect that. And unlike any other part of the human body, like other organs, you know, a bone can break, it can be remended. Okay, a liver can be damaged, it can be healed. It's not true with the human brain. Once a brain cell is damaged, it's gone. It's just, it's dead. It can't be revived. At least in current technology, it can't be revived. So that's why contact sports should never be for kids. Now, he went through the, the, the right process. He went through the peer review and other doctors looked at what he, his proof and did independent studies and came to the same conclusion. It's now no longer a theory. It's a proven fact. And that's where the problem is. It's not a hypothesis, which we kind of always knew that, you know, repeated hitting to the head. I mean, I've, I've met some ex-boxers, and they all have issues. I've met big ex-football players. They have issues as well. Okay? The bad, unhealthy sports, the high-impact sports, such as, this is not maybe a definitive list, American football, ice hockey, rugby, mixed martial arts, boxing, and wrestling. Those type sports subject a child to repeated blows to the head and do cause brain damage. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it, unless you're sitting on the bench, I guess, as the saying goes. There are plenty of sports that are not contact, as long as you don't use the headbutt in soccer. And then you have swimming and basketball, though you can have some occasional contact in basketball, especially the way it's played today. It's still much safer than football. Baseball, same thing. That, that ball could you know, be in the head, but that's a rare occasion. The, and unlike a helmet hit on the football field, a baseball hitting the helmet doesn't quite do the damage. It may, but it's a much, it doesn't happen at the, at the, the amount of times. Okay. So, and then you of course got softball, track and field, volleyball, tennis, you know, golf, squash, table tennis, you know, and other sports like that. Not a problem. Well, every sport has some level of potential injury. Those type of sports do not suffer the repeated blows to the head like football, 
rugby and mixed martial arts and wrestling does. And therefore, your ch- child's brain isn't as likely to get damaged. Now, since 1957, doctors have told us that bad, unhealthy sports I've just listed have no place in children's life. Yet, to this day, they're played in every town in America. And I have a problem with that. Now, this is from Ben Amalo's book, Brain Damage in Contact Sports, What Parents Should Know Before Letting Their Children Play. And you can find it on Amazon or other places where books are sold. So here's the question. Science has proven that contact sports are bad for children. Every Christian I know, the serious ones and the famous ones, like Eric Metaxas or Larry Alex Taunton or those type people, I mean, Eric's somewhat of a science geek. They're, they're extremely pro-proven science. Why on earth would Christian parents send their kids to a Christian school to play full contact football? Want to play football? Play flag football, different ball game. You're not going to get hit in the head that nearly as often. Okay. It's something I don't understand. It's also expensive. Football programs are expensive. So, you know, I, I, I want to state this story because of how important football is. When we first in Nashville, the, the, the church we joined had a private Christian school. It was both full and too expensive because it's, for us to get our kids into. Uh, but we liked the church and we kids attended, you know, the youth programs and all that stuff for probably five years until one Sunday morning in, I think it was December, pretty sure. For the first time in my entire, and I rarely miss a Sunday. My first time in that entire church in five years, there was a standing Ovation. You know what the standing ovation was for? Did somebody get cured of cancer miraculously? No. And my son had cancer and got cured through the medical process. And people said, great, and they're wonderful, you know, praise God, all that stuff. But there was no standing round of, for that. The standing ovation was the fact that school just won the state football championship. That, my friends, is the perfect example of an American church that's got their priorities messed up. And it's a big church, somewhat famous. So (laughs) we have to follow biblical commands here. We have to follow proven science. Now we can have a lot of discussions about COVID and the vaccine because there's a lot of unproven stuff. We can talk about face masks. We have some, we have studies that prove certain points of view. Okay. And this, you can't ignore the science if it's been proven, gone through the whole review process. Dr. Amalo is a serious Christian and comes from Nigeria where, you know, people die for their faith. And he was tarred and feathered big time. The NFL went after him with both barrels, as the saying goes. 
But, um, you know, he has a famous quote that's in, in my list of quotes. I have a, a list of quotes. And he's a pretty remarkable guy. And you really ought to read, I think, his books, of course. Uh, and he's got several. He's got one about, you know, education, um, about specifically sports in high school education. Um, and I said, it's OM. I mean, you should just rent the movie. Don't read the book. Read the, read the movie and see Will Smith playing Dr. Amalo, and you'll see, uh, you know, you'll get a good hunk of the truth in that movie. Okay. And that's just the way it is. But one of his quotes, um, is on truth. And I have this in my book. I have a, a PowerPoint. Uh, technically it's a keynote of, of truth. And it goes like this. Truth does not have a side. Truth is truth. It's up to us to conform to truth. Truth does not conform to us. So truth doesn't have a side. My alarming discovery about the dangers of contact sports. Page 179. Uh, Bennett Amalo. Dr. Bennett Amalo. He's got several doctorates. He's, he's like typical Africans. I say this with all respect. Africans that value degrees. And and so he has multiple degrees. He's a very smart man. Seriously hard worker. Okay. Read the books. Do the research. You'll see he's right. Okay. It's hard to, hard to argue with the guy. We should not be playing full contact sports, wrestling, and the such, and football. In any school, but especially Christian schools. And I'll end it at that. Thanks for listening to the Vorthos Podcast. Visit Vorthos.net for more information. That's Vorthos, V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net. You may follow at Vorthos on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on the Vorthos podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Vorthos podcast. Any content provided by Matt or our guest are their opinion and not intended to malign or insult anyone or anything. Matt W. Ruff can be reached at mattwruff at vorthos.net. That's M-A-T-T-W-R-U-F-F at V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net.